You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. good to be back and to have you all here. It's freezing cold. What is up with this? If you have your Bibles, you can open to Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 1. It's a new year, and with the new year, many of us will be making New Year's resolutions. And for some of us, we want to change habits. Maybe you want to quit smoking. Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to save money this new year. Maybe you want to start taking on a new habit. Perhaps you want to start eating healthier or you want to exercise more. But this year I'd like to challenge you to make a different kind of resolution. I want to challenge you to become resolute about spending time daily in the Word of God. If there's one habit that has helped me most, it's a daily study of the Word of God. Not legalistically, but a practice that has helped keep me from a pit of destruction and choices that would have led me down a wrong path. Everything is constantly changing. This new year will bring changes in our life, but there is one thing that's constant. The Bible says that the word of the Lord endures forever. It never changes. And so I want to talk to you tonight about meditating and spending time in the word of God. Psalm chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want you to look at how this psalm begins and how this psalm ends. It begins with the word blessed and ends with the word perish. It draws a picture that the godly will be blessed and the, the ungodly, the wicked, will perish. And, and, and that's what we're going to see throughout this whole teaching tonight. I want you to see that it says, blessed is the man. We want to be blessed. We declare that we are blessed. Uh, but Psalm 1 draws some prerequisites to us be, being blessed. I, I want to read to you from the Amplified. I, I really like it in the Amplified. It says, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and his desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teaching of God, 
he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and night. Look at that. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable is the man who does this. I wonder tonight if there's anybody here who's happy. I, I mean truly happy, because happiness means different things to different people. If I were to take a survey tonight and ask you, what do you want to really make you happy? What needs to happen in your life for you to truly be happy? I'm pretty sure we would all come up with different ideas of, of what it would take to make us happy. Some of you would say, I need a man in my life to make me happy. Some of you would say, I need a new wife. I, I need a new spouse to make me happy. Some of you would say, I, I need children to make me happy. Some of you say, I need a new job to make me happy or more money in the bank or a bigger house or I need to be skinnier. What, what is it that would make you truly happy? My father-in-law was fond of saying, happiness is your happenings. Uh, happiness is when your happenings, I'm going to get it straight. I need to read it. It's just too good. I, I don't want to blow it. He says, happiness depends on your happenings happening the way you happen to want your happenings to happen. I love that because what he's saying is happiness, the happiness that we are searching for in the world is dependent on our happenings happening the way we want them to happen. In other words, happiness is based on our circumstances. It's based on our emotions. In other words, if, if, if everything is going well and I'm having a good day and my life is peachy keen, honky-dory, I'm happy. But if I'm having a bad day and a trial comes or a tribulation comes, I'm going to be unhappy because our happiness depends on our happenings. The, happy, uh, the happiness that Psalm 1 is talking about is not dependent on on our circumstances. It's not dependent on our emotions. It's not an emotional feeling. It is a sense of well-being. It's a picture of one who is right with God and he's blessed and he's happy and he's prosperous because of it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have troubles. It doesn't mean that he is uh, exempt from, from tribulation. It doesn't mean that his life is perfect. What it means that in the midst of all of that, he's blessed, he's happy, he's prosperous. He's right with God, and there's a sense of well-being because of it. Let me tell you that happiness can't be found in the things of this world. It can only be found in a right relationship with God. Anything else is going to be offered cheap thrills, momentary satisfaction, and short-term, short-lived pleasure. But happy is the man who meditates on the Word of God. Let's look at this passage. It says that, that, that happy is the man, or blessed is the man, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I want you to see that, that before the, the writer of the psalm ever says anything about what, what the, the blessed man does, he tells us what the blessed man does not do. Do you see that? He, he talks about a man who does not walk in the way of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the presence of the sinners. He, he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffer. Look at that. He doesn't walk. He doesn't stand. He doesn't sit. It's, it's a picture of progression and it's going downhill quick and I, when I was when I was studying this passage this week I got to thinking it was so cold outside and and I really don't like when it's cold out I like to be outside I love to work in my lawn and and one of the reasons that I really like to be outside is 
is I never see my neighbors. And, and when it's nice out and I'm outside, they walk up and down the sidewalk. And, and the neighbors that I don't know really well, they'll just walk by and, and I'll kind of wave at them when they walk by. And, and then the ones I'm more familiar with, they, they'll walk by and they'll see me outside and then they'll stop and they'll stand and they'll talk to me from the sidewalk. How you doing, Rhea? And, and we'll converse from, from the sidewalk. But, but the ones who I'm really tight with, the ones who I'm intimate with, the, the ones that I'm closest to, now they won't just walk by, they won't just stop and stand, they will come and sit on my porch with me. They'll linger for a while. And so look at the progress as he begins to tell us what, what, what a blessed man does and does not do. First he starts by telling us what a blessed man does not do. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And, and that word counsel is a very interesting word. It, it, it means... Um, it means advice, the, the wisdom of the ungodly, his way of thinking. In other words, happy is the man who does not live the way the ungodly live, who doesn't buy into the way the world tells us we should be living. Hey, happy is the man who looks at the ungodly and say, I'm not walking in those ways. I'm not mimicking your behavior. I'm not going to adapt the way you're thinking. I listened to my father-in-law preach this weekend on, on being a stranger. We should be strangers in this world. We should not fit in. We should look different than the unbeliever down the street. But I'm afraid that we are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. We're walking in their advice. We're mimicking their behavior. And that should not be. I always tell my children, you become like those you hang around. Uh, what's the scripture? It says, bad company corrupts good behavior. And, and that word corrupt, it means to wear away. It, it means not at first. It doesn't just an all out, outright corruption. It means you just wear away bit by bit. And bad company will always corrupt good behavior. Who are you hanging around? Because you will become like those you hang around. This is not a picture of the Christian world isolating themselves and having nothing to do with the, the ungodly people. We are called to witness, to share Christ, to love, and, and to be a testimony in this world. But what he's saying is you will not mimic that behavior. You will not become like them. You'll look different. When I lived in the South, I moved there from the North. I was living in Pennsylvania and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And when they began to say y'all, I said to my husband, I will never say y'all. Let me just tell you right now, I will not say y'all. And, and what is this with them drawing out their words like that? And can I just tell you that when I left Charlotte, I was yalling with the best of them and I still have trouble not drawing my words out. And because you become like those you hang with. And this psalm says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel, in the advice, in the way that the ungodly walk. And then he says, blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. Now that word stand, it means to linger. It means you're staying a little while. And, and, and the word sinner there, it, it's those who by their actions are, are under the wrath of God. We are all sinners saved by grace, but this word is used to describe someone who's deliberately living a life contrary to the word of God. And he's saying, avoid that influence. Those who brush it off like it's nothing. It's a picture of progression here. First I'm walking, now I'm standing. And then he says, and do not sit in the seat of the scornful. And, and that word scornful, it means to boast, to scorn, to mock, to imitate. 
to talk arrogantly, to deride, or to boast. It refers to one who's actively engaged in putting down the things of God or His Word, who pay no regard to it. It's a picture of one who's comfortable uh, with living in the patterns of this world. But, But what's interesting to me is when I think about the word scoffing, I always think it's about someone who is outrightly rejecting the Word of God. But that is not the case in this word. It also means that someone who is hearing the Word of God and is being indifferent to it. It means someone who's hearing the Word of God, who's sitting under the preaching of it, but it's not changing their life, that they're saying, you know, that's not for me, I don't have to live that way he's saying blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of the sinner nor sit in the seat of the scornful but he says there his delight and that word delight means longing his pleasure that which he takes delight it means to his bent what he gets bent toward his delight can i tell you that what you delight in you will take pleasure in You will spend time in. My goal as a wife is to get my man to delight in me. Women, if your husband is not delighting in you, if he's not coming home from work, if he's finding other things to do with his time, make him delight in you. Give him something to delight in. Because what we put our delight in, we will spend time in. We will spend time with. We will take pleasure in. And he's saying, blessed is the man who delights in the word of God. You say, well, Rhea, that's not for me. I don't really understand the word of God. It's really hard for me to get into. I know that's good for you, a teacher, but I really don't understand it. Can I tell you, that's a cop-out. If you don't understand the word of God, if you don't hunger for it, then ask him to change your taste buds. Ask him to make you hungry for it. I have a really good friend who's a healthy eater. I'm not a healthy eater. But she's super healthy, and, and I want to make those changes in my life. In fact, it's one of my New Year's resolutions, and, and she assures me. I say, Barb, I don't like vegetables. I, I, I don't even like the taste of them. I, I don't like the texture of them. I, I don't like anything. Give me a piece of chocolate cake. And, and I said, you know, I really, those are calorie-free, the vegetables, and so I really want to, I want to crave those things. I want to, but I don't like them. I don't even have an appetite for them. And, but she assures me that if I would just begin to eat them, if I would force myself, if you will, to eat those vegetables, that my taste buds would begin to change and that I would actually crave those things. So if you're here tonight and you have never learned to delight in the Word of God, Ask him to change your taste buds. Ask him to give you a hunger for the things of God. He wants you to get this far more than you want it. Are you delighting in the law of the Lord? And that word, the law of the Lord, that's not the Ten Commandments. It's the whole counsel of God. It's his word in your life. Are you delighting in it? Because he says you'll be blessed, you'll be happy, you'll be prosper, you'll be prosperous if your delight is in the law of the Lord and not in the ways of this world. John Piper says, the righteous and the wicked are separated by what they delight in. The revelation of the word or the way of the word, of the world. He says, blessed is the man who does not, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates 
day and night. I, I love that word meditate. We've talked about it numerous times. It's a picture of a cow chewing its cud. And, and I just, I love that. It, it actually goes even deeper. It means to murmur, to mutter, to growl. It's of a lion growling over its prey. It's a low thunder or the sound of a harp when it's struck or the cooing of doves. It means to speak to oneself. It's a picture of a lion rushing on its prey and devouring it and growling over it while he does. I have a dog, his name is Armani, and he's this big golden doodle, and he weighs about as much as my daughter Kendall weighs, and, but he is the sweetest dog in the whole wide world. He would not hurt a flea, but if you give him a new bone with lots of, of meat on it, can I tell you what, you do not want to get near that dog. Don't try to take his bone from him because he delights in that bone. There is nothing he loves more than a big old juicy bone. And if you try to get, if you even come close, he will like that, that low growl. This is my bone. That's what the picture is here. That you take delight in God's word. And, and, and you meditate on it. You think on it. I was raised in rural Pennsylvania, and there were farms all around my home. And, and so I learned about cows. I know about cows. And can I tell you how a cow chews its cud? It, it, it chew, it'll eat anything. A cow will eat anything. And it's got really good stomach. And, and it will chew this cud, and it will swallow it. And it goes down, and then it, it regurgitates it back up, and it'll chew it some more. And it keeps chewing that cud until it gets every bit of nourishment out of that, out of that cud. And that's what that picture of meditate is. It means that you sit with the Word of God and you chew on it and you keep chewing on it till it gets into you. Can I tell you right now, if you go to my car, you'll, you'll see Scripture on my dashboard. If you get in my purse, you'll see Scripture in my purse. It's not, it's not rare for you to go in my bathroom and see it on my bathroom mirror because I'm meditating on the Word of God. I don't just read it in the morning. It's with me all day long and I'm chewing on it all day long because I'm just telling you I have on the fast food of this world and it's gotten me malnourished. But I am delighted in the word of God because I understand something I have never understood before. Blessed is the man who meditates day and night. You say, Rhea, that's a little legalistic. I'm sorry, you're going to have to take it up with God because this is his word. He is the one who says, this is the condition for you to be blessed, happy, prosperous. That you will meditate day and night. You will delight in the word of God. Because you understand he is your source. There is no other life to be found except in him. And when we meditate on his word, it's not us filling our mind with a bunch of knowledge. It's not about us getting super spiritual or, or incredibly religious. Can I tell you that when we meditate on his word, we encounter him. Because John says, in the beginning was what? Was who? The Word. He calls Jesus the Word. And you see that when we meditate on the Word, oh, on the Word of God, we encounter God. Do you see that? We get to know Him. We encounter Him. This morning, He woke me up early. I went down to my fireplace, and I'm telling you, I encountered Him in His Word. And, and there's just something, when He speaks to you, 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 your life will be changed. There's nothing else that can satisfy. It's a big old honking meaty bone, and I'm not letting anybody get near. I'm devouring it. I am delighting in it, and I am going to meditate on that thing day and night. It's going to be with me constantly. 
This year I took my Christmas tree down, or actually Dave took my Christmas tree down, and there was a gift left under my tree. And we had had people come in and out all, all holiday season, and, and, and so I didn't know who put this, this gift under my tree. There was no tag on it, and, and it was left, and I just assumed it was for one of the kids, and so I didn't pay much attention to it. So when Dave took the tree down, this little gift bag was still left under my tree, and and so I was just curious, and I went in to see, and I couldn't find any, any tag on it, and, and I didn't, there was no sticker saying to so-and-so from Santa. There, there was nothing of that on the bag, and, and so I reached inside, and there was some tissue paper, and, and I unwrapped the tissue paper, and there was a beautiful bracelet. And I was like, mm, I hope this is for me. And, and it was beautiful, and, and again, I looked, there was no card in the bag, and I was like, well, I'll put it here on the counter if nobody claims that it's going to be mine. It's a beautiful bracelet, and I was just tickled pink, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm a pastor's wife. I recycle my bags, and so I'm like, oh, this is a nice little gift bag, and I folded it right back up, and I was going to put it in the basement stairs to go down to, to pack away with the Christmas things, and, and when I folded it up, there was a little tag, a little square tag that was the same color as the gift bag, and that's why I didn't see it, and and in it, I, I opened it, and it was a note from a friend of mine. And, and she, it was a beautiful note. And it touched my heart deeply, and, and she shared deeply with me, and, and it just blessed me. As much as I loved the bracelet, I loved the gift, I loved her communication with me. And, and so I quickly texted her, and I said, Deb, I just wanted to thank you so much for the gift, but most of all, thank you for your note. Thank you for, for, for what you said, and, and thank you for blessing me with your words. And, and you see, that gift was beautiful. I, I'm telling you, I wish I would have wore it tonight so you could see the beautiful bracelet. I really like the gift. But, but, but what was more important to me than the gift was the communication. Do you see that? That's what touched my heart. That's what ministered to me. And so many of us, were looking at God, and we want his blessings. Just gift me, Lord. Meet my needs. Prosper my life. But, but we're forgetting that it's the communication communication with him that will really bless us it's the communication it's meeting him in his word that will truly change our lives and we will be blessed prosperous enviable and happy because of it he says blessed is this man and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does, somebody say, whatever. Whatever he does shall prosper. How many of you want that in your life? Whatever you do shall prosper. Leslie and I quote that scripture all the time. We, we quote the scripture in Joshua that every place we place our hand, the Lord is going to give to us. That, that every place we step our foot will prosper. And, and, and we want to prosper, do we not? But here, uh, the psalmist is drawing a picture for us. He's saying, you want to be blessed, you want to be happy, you want to prosper. Here are the prerequisites to that. You want to prosper? This is what it looks like. He says he'll be like a tree planted by the, the water. I just love that picture. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. He shall be like a tree planted by a river. I just love that picture because you see, he's like a tree that's been planted. Who knows there's something different to be potted and to be planted? 
Are you with me? Any gardeners that understand, you can have a potted plant, but then you can have one that's planted in the ground. The, the difference between something that's potted and planted is the root system. When it's planted, it's, it's permanent. It's not going anywhere. And those roots go down deep into the ground. And when the winds come and when the storms come, it doesn't matter. It will not be affected because its roots go deep in the ground. Are you rooted and established in his word? Do your roots go deep? Are you spending time meditating, delighting in his word? Because that's where your strength will be found. That's where your strength will be found. He said it'll be like a tree planted. Oh, I, I love it. Because that word planted, if you look it up in the original language, it doesn't just mean planted. It, Gwen, you're going to like this. It means transplanted. Oh, I love that. Who knows? We've been, we've been plucked out of the world. We've been plucked out of darkness and deposited right into his glorious light. We've been taken out of death and transplanted into life. Do you just love it? You are like a tree planted. Transplanted by God. Transplanted. It says its, its leaves are always green. It's because its roots go deep and it's planted by what? By the river, by water, by the source of life. And, and those roots, uh, what happens with the tree that's really green? Its roots, it gets its nourishment. It gets its water from its roots. You can be in a drought, but those roots, if they go deep enough, are, are going to be going to get the, draw the water up, and that tree will still stay green even in drought. Do, do you love that? Can I just tell you, church, if your roots are deep, it doesn't matter what's coming at your life because you are rooted and established in him. You're not going anywhere. Let the winds blow and the storms come, but you will be immovable because you are rooted in him. You're rooted in him. And you get rooted in him by what? Meditating on his word. Delighting in his word. See, some of us delight. I delight in food. Can I just tell you, some of you delight in men. Some of you delight in sex. Some of you delight in, in shopping. Some of you delight in watching your, your favorite shows on TV. What is the show that I saw so much Facebook stuff on last night? Something about Abby. What was it? Downtown Abby? Is that, what is it? Downton? All over Facebook. It must be like the happening show. They were delighting in that last night. I just made, it just made me chuckle. They were putting twi tweets out. They were putting quotes all over Facebook. And I thought, they're delighting in that show. I probably should catch it. But can I just tell you what? I delight in the Word of God. Because there is power in His Word. Some of you delight in picking up the phone and calling your girlfriend or, or your, your pal at work. And can I tell you what? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you just took some time to delight in the Word of God, you'd be like a tree planted by the river that brings forth fruit in its season. Jesus said, this is how you'll know them. You By their fruit, you will know them. Whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I got to this passage because I was studying the scripture in Proverbs, I think it's 29, 18. Are you, are you with me? Turn there if you have your Bibles. You know the scripture that says, my people perish for lack of vision. Are you with me? Do you know that? Have you turned there? My people perish for lack of vision. Let's just flip over to Proverbs. I think it's chapter 29. Proverbs 29. I was studying this one day 
And, and I just, I think sometimes we throw this scripture out. My people perish for lack of vision. You need to get vision. And so for our, for our ministries, for our, for our churches, for our businesses, we write vision statements. We cast vision. We say we need to set goals. We need to meet them because my people perish for lack of vision. Can I just tell you, we're taking that scripture way out of context. Because look at the rest of it. I'm reading from the New King James, so it's a little different. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he, happy is he who keeps the law. Now, if that scripture was about casting vision, if that scripture was about setting goals, if that scripture was about seeking God for what's going to happen 10 years down the line, why in the world would it be followed with, but happy is the man who keeps the law? That tells me right there, this must be about something other than vision. Do you know what it's about? That word vision that we, we say has something to do with goals really means prophetic vision. It means revelation of God's Word. It means understanding of God's Word. It, it means seeking Him till you get revelation. My people perish for lack of revelation. But happy is the man. Happy is the man who keeps the law. Do you see it? And so that's how I got on this passage in Psalm 1 because I'd been studying that. And, 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 and it's so interesting to me, so interesting to me. Over and over we see in the Word of God, happy is the man who does this. Blessed is the man who does this, who meditates day and night. I want you to see that this, like Psalm 91, is a conditional promise. It's a promise of, of overwhelming blessing and happiness that will be poured out to those who meet the conditions outlined in this psalm. It's interesting to me the contrast between the godly and the ungodly. Uh, turn back to Psalm 1 and, and just look. He says, the ungodly are not so. They are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Do you know that, that when they're separating the wheat from the shaft, they'll, they'll throw it up in the air and the wind will carry the shaft away? It, it, it blows away. That's why I never worry. I, I, I have in my notes here, I, I, I just, those who, who are, are not rooted in God's Word, they'll appear on the surface for a moment. They might even stir up a storm, but in the end, they'll chase after another false teaching. They'll move on to another person to talk about. But if I am rooted and established close to my life source, I have permanence and stability. I have roots that go deep. I was talking to my father and mother-in-law about false teaching uh, the other day, and, and they laughed and they said, Rhea, do you know how much false teaching we have seen in our lifetime? And, and, and they said the pendulum will swing from one extreme to another, and people will get caught up in the extremes. And he, she said, Rhea, you just make your point to be rooted and established. And she said, the pendulum can swing all around you but you'll still stay rooted and established because you're seeking the truth. You're teaching the truth. Those who are rooted and established aren't going anywhere. But the shaft, they'll be blown away by the storms. They'll be blown away by tribulation. One of the things that the Lord is really uh, challenging me in my life is, Rhea, are you immovable? Are you, uh, does, does stuff in your life come and, and it make you move? Does trials, do trials make you move? Do, do, do tribulations make you move? Does heartache make you move? 
Does a bad report make you move? I want you to be stable. I want you to be established. I want nothing to be able to move you, Rhea. I want you to put your hope in me and not be moved by it. Do you know what faith means? It means total trust. Lord, I have total trust in you. That no matter what comes at me, I have total trust in you. The scripture talks about a tree planted and its root system. If you look over, I think it's in Jeremiah 17, somewhere around there, maybe 19. It talks about a a tree planted by the water. But its roots go deep. And, And I love that it talks about roots because if I'm looking at a tree in my backyard, I can't see the root system. The root system is the hidden life. And can I just tell you, I've been studying in 1 Peter that talks about a gentle and quiet spirit. A woman with a gentle and quiet spirit. A man with a gentle and quiet spirit, if you will. I think it applies even there, even though it's talking about a woman. I believe there's something to be said about that. And so I was like, Lord, what does gentle really mean there? I need to know because if there's anything Rhea Briscoe is not, it's gentle. And so could you just teach me how to be gentle? Your word is saying you want us to have a gentle and quiet spirit. So can you talk to me about that? And, and so I looked up that word gentle, and it, it's just fascinating to me. It means mildness, mildness of disposition or gentleness of spirit, but it's so much better than that. It's, it's 1 Peter 3, and can you just pull it up for me? It, it talks about, um, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine, fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. He's talking about the beauty of the hidden person of the heart, the incorruptible beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit. And we have a hidden person of the heart. Do you know that? That that's what we need to be working on. So many of us worry about beautifying the outside, but but he's talking about the inside, the roots. You see, you don't see the roots. You don't see what's inside of me. But that's what I'm working on when I'm meditating on the Word of God. I want you to see what this word means. It's so fascinating to me, a gentle and quiet spirit. And that word gentle is not what we think. I just love it. It means meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. That means, Lord, whatever you bring at me, whatever is coming at me, whatever's going on around me, I'm accepting your dealings with me as good and I'm not going to dispute it and I'm not going to resist it. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. That means when you and I are faced with injustice, when somebody does us dirty, when we're hurting, when we feel like we've been messed with, we are going to wholly rely on God rather than our own strength to defend against that injustice. It goes on to say, thus meekness towards evil people means knowing God is permitting the injuries they inflict, that he's using them to purify his elect, and that he will deliver his elect in his time. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and not of human will. It's a work of grace. And, and, and so I was, I was asking the Lord, I want the incorruptible beauty of the hidden man of the heart. I want my roots, Lord, the part that nobody sees. I want the Rhea behind closed doors to be so absolutely trusting of you that I won't be moved by anything that's happening in my life. 
that I am confident of your goodness towards me, that everything you do towards me is good, Lord. And so it finishes, this Psalm 1 finishes with, a, with an interesting verse. He goes on to say, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And that word know, it means to be intimately familiar with. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Over and over in Scripture, we, we see the, 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 the Scripture pointing us to the value of the Word of God. Just a few uh, that I'll throw out at you tonight. I, I want you to, to just hear a couple that come to my mind. Paul says to Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. He told Pitt Timothy to preach the Word, to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with great patience and instructions. And then he said, the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Over and over we read that God's Word is powerful, it's active, it never returns void. We read that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. We read that it, it, it separates bone from marrow. We, we read that it, it's able, it's a discerner of thoughts. Hey, do you understand the power of God's Word? Why are we not meditating on it? Why are we not chewing on it day in and day out? We chew on everything else. Can, can I tell you, if somebody does us dirty or somebody says something negative to us, we meditate on that all right. We'll murmur and, and play that over and over in our head. What would happen and how would our life change if we began to do the same with God's word, with God's truth, because blessed, happy, prosperous, and enviable is the man who meditates day and night and takes great delight in God's word. Let me challenge you with that. Let that be your New Year's resolution, that Lord, I want you to change my taste buds. I want you to make me hungry for the things of God. Will you do that? Will you accept that challenge and really begin to meditate, to be like Armani is with his bones and delight in God's Word. Father, I thank you for every man and woman in this place tonight. And Lord, I am fully aware that, that even uh, to be able to delight in your Word, even to be able to meditate in your Word is a work of grace, that we don't even have the ability to do that on our own, and that, that that has to come from you. And so, Father, I pray for each person in this room tonight. I pray that you would put a hunger and thirst after righteousness in them. I pray that you would open up your word to them, that you would teach them, that you would you'd meet them in that place. Lord, I want to know you better. I want them to know you better. And so, Father, I pray that you would make us hungry. Make us hungry for you, Lord. Make us hungry for your word. I pray that there will be nothing in this world that would satisfy, that there be no fast food, there be no quick fix, Lord God, that, that, that we, would, we would hunger for your word and your word alone, and that that would be the only thing that could bring satisfaction. And so, Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see, that you'd send your Holy Spirit to teach and to instruct and that you would make us like a tree planted, firmly planted by the river of life, by our source, by you, Lord. You are our source. You are the river of life. 
Father, I pray that you'd strengthen your people. That you'd build us. That you'd make us indeed like a tree planted by a river whose leaves never wither. A planting of the Lord's. Draw us, Lord. Draw us deeper into you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150 We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.